The world is weird. Existing is weird. Magic is weird. This is a place for a witch to ramble about her personal experiences, opinions, and what you want to hear. Welcome to Weird Witch Talks. Hello, and welcome to the Valentine's Day episode of Weird Witch Talks. I... I'm so glad to be back on a regular update, update schedule. I have some water, I have some wine, and I'm covered in open books right now. This is going to be a less serious episode than normal, uh, in part because I don't have time to be super serious right now. But I am going to start with a super, super downer topic that is necessary to address. Now, some of you, like, 23 regular listeners of mine, um, are aware of the awful awful time one of my favorite herbalists and witches has been having, uh, Sarah Ann Lawless. Uh, on the 20th of September of 2018, she published an article called So Long and Thanks for All the Abuse, A History of Sexual Trauma in the Pagan Community. This was incredibly brave and bold and wonderful of her to do, and it gave me a bit of, you know, hope for public figures in the pagan community being able and willing to talk about things that happened to them. And it is heartbreaking. And you can read it on her, on her blog, um, sarahannlawless.com. Um, however, she's published several follow several follow-ups, the most recent of which being the abuse continues an update from February, February 11th, 2019 about how awful it's been about the genuine, uh, further abuse, non-sexual abuse, uh, she has been receiving from our community at large, from the lack of support, and from the huge number of women who are defending these horrible, abusive, rapist, sexual harasser men. Um, and I think we really need to do better as a community to step it up and not make abuse victims feel so terrible and not torment them? She has had her shop taken down, been reported to the Canadian authorities for nothing, and genuinely had people make concentrated efforts to destroy her life. This incredibly wonderful, brave person who is hopefully paving the way for a new era of openness in the pagan community of, you know, admitting and discussing and accusing abusers when they hurt us is really getting rocks thrown at her left and right. And we got to stop doing that. So I encourage my listeners to please support her in any way you can. Um, go to her print shop and buy things if you can, um, which you can find on her blog page, sarahannlawless.com. Go to her apothecary. By the way, I don't know her personally. I have admired and followed her for many years. I empathize with her. I'm very lucky and have not experienced abuse in the pagan community. My experiences in the pagan community have been great. I am the sufferer of sexual abuse and harassment, which I don't want to talk about. Um, but please, support this wonderful woman. Uh, her articles are great. And if you see someone talking shit about her, if you feel safe to, shut them up. And if you are a sufferer of sexual harassment and abuse... If you feel comfortable stepping up, I would encourage you to. However, if you do not, no one blames you. But please know you're not alone. And you're not broken. You are not damaged. You are not terrible. There are thousands upon thousands of us in this community alone who have experienced what you experience. And if you feel safe discussing what happened to you, even with a friend, if you don't ever want to go public with it, that's okay. But please try and seek help. Find some comfort. 
and know that we will still love you. And if your friend you open up to is shitty, well, fuck them. There are other people who exist in this world who aren't like that and who will accept you and love you and support you and who won't do crappy things like the things happening to Sarah. And I extend this to, I say this to anyone, male or female or otherwise, who has experienced this sort of thing in the pagan community, because I know we also deal with a lot of homophobia and transphobia, and sexism and rape are just part of a larger issue uh, generationally, and we're getting better, but we need to keep getting better. There is not a peak, oh, we're done, ever, because time changes, society changes, and we really gotta stop doing this shit. <laughs> Which actually leads us into our first question of the evening. I know I'm not as coherent as I normally am. I've had some wine, and I haven't slept a whole lot. But I want to do this, and I want to have fun doing it, so drunk. And that is also why I'm opening with this, because one of the biggest issues with Valentine's Day is people who have been hurt being traumatized and triggered. So people who haven't, and no people who have, don't. If you know someone who's going to have a terrible Valentine's Day because they were hurt or abused by a partner, find ways to comfort them that they will appreciate. You don't don't force the lovey-dovey shit on them and ask them what they need. If they just want you to come over with some soup and watch some non-romantic movies, great. If you want to go out on a platonic friend date and that will help, wonderful and perfect. Be aware of the abuse victims in your life and if you can, reach out to them because it will make them feel better knowing that people care about them and love them outside of their abuse and are willing to support them through it. So please, <laughs> don't be a jackass this holiday season. Uh, be as nice as you can to the hurt people in your life. So let's move on to the first question, as I'd already promised and then kind of moved on from. Our first question is from uh, a Tumblr follower who commented on the big old challenge. But I only got four questions for this, but I've also, that's the most questions I've ever gotten for an episode. So thank you. Let's keep the questions rolling in. I want to make these, these episodes longer than half an hour, and I do need content. The first one is uh, someone asking me if I've ever known or dealt with someone who has uh, been involved in a fertility cult and Kinda. <laughs> um, so when I first got into witchcraft, and this is also like, what did I do if they weren't ex respectful and inclusive of all genders? We'll get to that. Um, when I first got into paganism and witchcraft publicly, and I decided I didn't want to be a lonely little bean anymore, I started looking for local communities. And I didn't find my current group, the wonderful and supportive people of the Denton Unitarian Universalist Church pagan group who are great, and I absolutely adore all of them, and they've been really supportive. Um, no, no, no. The first place I found was just a random group of Wiccan moms. I was the youngest at that meeting by about 30 years, and this is not to age shame. I'm giving you context for me. 19 years old, not really exposed to Wicca as much. Like, I was pretty much a traditional witch already at that point. I hadn't been uh, doing a whole lot of the circle casting and fertility stuff. And I was already not even broken away, had not attached to the dual God and goddess only situation and the being male or female is inherently sacred shit. Like, no, I was super queer and super not into that already at that point. Um, but I was lonely and I went to this meeting with a bunch of moms at one of their houses, which, um, I wouldn't recommend doing if you're starting going to a new group, 
don't go to a, if the meeting's at a person's house, wait until they have a public meeting because there are a few things more uncomfortable than being at someone's fucking home and fundamentally disagreeing with everything happening where you can't like escape to the bathroom for 15 minutes because you don't know where it is. And again, it's somebody's goddamn house. It's upsetting and weird. Um, so I went to that and this group, to my knowledge, is not still a thing, but every single thing magic related had to do with childbirth or sex or womanhood. And there weren't any queer people there besides myself that I know of. Um, everyone there identified as female. And I was kind of questioning at the time. I still thought it was hetero-romantic and I am hetero-nothing. <laughs> I know no part of me is straight. I'm, I'm a curvy person with a curvy personality and a curvy, a curvy gender. Like, I don't know. Mm-mm. Not, not straight anything. And it was really uncomfortable and weird to listen to these adult women talk about eroticism and phalluses as if that was all there was in the pagan universe. So we even had a thing of charades that was not super fun for me because it was concepts I wasn't super comfortable with. But again, this is not shaming them. They have all the right to do whatever they want in the privacy of their own group. But you did ask if I got into a fertility religion at any point in time, and I kind of almost did. And honestly, my response to that, my what did I do? I fucking left. <laughs> I literally just got up and I never talked to them again. One of them actually really liked me and we were talking about the darker sides of witchcraft, which made people really goddamn uncomfortable at that group meeting. And I'm kind of sorry for not talking to her, but I wasn't comfortable with it at the time. And I dearly hope that woman has found a group she likes more, but it's not my job to shepherd 50 some odd year old moms out of their stuff, especially not when I was 19. I was barely managing with myself, much less another adult woman dealing with the aftermath of an abusive, uh, a magically, emotionally, and physically abusive husband. That's not a thing I could do. And I know I just did a whole thing about supporting your abuse victim friends. Definitely do that. But she had at least one support group that was good for the fluffy, happy, sparkly side of support and not a 19-year-old with equally bad problems at the time. Uh, so yeah, no, I have definitely encountered uh, fertility religions. And honestly, don't try to fucking change it if it's a small group. Like, if, if you really, really feel you need to and can and want to dedicate that time and energy and feel it won't damage you fundamentally, wonderful. I appreciate you and support you in your work. If you are a young queer person trying to infiltrate and fundamentally change a larger group or organization, it's going to be really hard. Please don't feel ashamed if you know it will scar you forever. Try and find allies in the group to maybe help you. Tackling things alone is extremely difficult with stuff like that. And I did kind of, at the time, try and approach the thing. Uh, and it was made kind of clear that those ideas weren't fully welcome, that I was not going to exactly be appreciated for being the on one out being the hyper queer person who doesn't exactly feel connected with femininity and doesn't like children because that's what I was to that group in the fundamental way. I was the creepy oddball who didn't want to play along with anything. Um, so that's the story of how I almost got involved in a heavily Wiccan circle that was exclusively moms and did fertility rituals for each other and lots of sex spells for people, sometimes non-consensually. And I just fucking never showed up again. Like my response to all of that was to, to leave <laughs> because there wasn't anything I could do. There wasn't anything I could do to better that area of the world. And I feel bad now for not being able to do more, 
But this was five years ago when I was fucking 19. 19 year olds sometimes aren't the best at changing and helping things. So that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> let's move around, move right along to another one. Uh, let's see what I did. Where's the list? Fuck. I closed the window. Give me a second. I'm so good at this. Um, oh, here we go. Uh, this is another Tumblr question. How does one deal with dating someone uninvolved in witchcraft? Um, I actually really like that my partner's not a witch. Um, my partner is a Norse pagan. Um, he's really cool. He worships Freya, um, as a catonic and magic goddess, uh, and is not a witch. Uh, I do think, personally, there's a distinction between witchcraft and magic use, and I think that we, as a group, really, really need to start making that distinction more often. But let's not get into that, because that is how you start a fight, and my personal opinions on that only need come into play if you come to me personally, like, one-on-one in real life for mentorship, which you're not going to do. <laughs> so that's not necessarily not here or there. But my partner isn't a witch, and... I kind of don't have to deal with it. It's really nice to not have to use or work around two people using feasibly conflicting forms of magic in the house, and it gives me a whole lot of freedom. And if you feel like you need to have someone in your life who is magic, check out your local UU, see if there's a CUPS group, CUPS is the Covenant of Unitarian Universalist Pagans, or find a friend. Your partner doesn't need to be involved in your witchcraft. And I kind of, I did find this question a little strange, not to shame the person who asked, you are totally valid in asking and wondering, but I think it's really healthy for couples to not share every single thing. And that's a good thing to be just yours. Like your, your witchcraft being something that belongs to you and you alone is, is a good thing, I think. Um, because the personal extension of yourself, I mean, you don't have to like all the same video games. You don't have, don't have to like all the same food, the same sports, the same books, the same genres, the same TV shows. I think it makes sense if you're not involved in the craft. Unless you feel you like need, need someone who like to do fuck spells with or something. Yeah, I, I actually think it's a good thing because it gives you space to grow too. And you don't have to grow with another person in magic since your magic is very personal to you. It is yours. And Bear in mind the idea, the modern idea of covens, as Gerald Gardner has expressed, that is kind of new. Um, witchcraft was, historically speaking, fairly isolated with occasional meetings, according to Christians. And, I mean, I assume that there was something to back that up. But, I mean, it's the, the, the necessity of a large group of witches is newer, especially since paganism is getting further into the public limelight. And the first, like, real public and accepted version of magic to exist was Wicca, which conflates a religion with witchcraft, which works if you are Wiccan, but not if you're anybody else. Most of the time, like, if you're a witch, you might be something wholly different religiously or not religious at all. And, yeah, but that's, that's a conversation for another time, the idea that magic and religion are often separate things and not necessarily fully related and don't actually need each other. Back to your question, I don't need to deal with it. Um, if your partner is being a dick uh, about your magic, uh, have a conversation with them because that's a whole separate thing. That is a matter of personal disrespect and would be an issue whether or not you were practicing witchcraft. Um, there are certain disagreements 
in relationships that I think need to be sorted out pretty quickly. And among those are religious differences and political differences. And I think, and, you know, moral philosophical differences and witchcraft, the fact that you practice it and feasibly maybe being disrespected by your partner falls into that subcategory of things you need to talk about. I don't think that it's acceptable for your partner to mock your religious preferences or magical preferences because you can find someone else you're compatible with who will also respect you as a person. Um, and that doesn't mean I think everyone has to worship exactly the same to date or have the exact same political affiliations to be together, but you need to discuss it because those are fundamental building blocks of how you view the world and what you do. And if you're planning on being with someone until you die, you really need to talk these things out and find that, you know, medium of respect where they will let you do what you do without interrupting it or destroying it or mocking it because it's important to you. It's something that's part of you as a person and you deserve to be respected in those in that shape or form or fashion, however, works for you. And I really hope that this is helping you. And if your partner is disrespecting you and your craft and your religion, consider breaking up with them maybe if they won't listen to you and take you seriously because if they're not doing it now there's no guarantee they'll do it guarantee they'll do it later and who knows maybe in a decade you'll get back together and they'll respect everything about you and it will be a beautiful thing and you'll get married maybe um but do you want to be along for that decade ride trying to change a fundamental part of how they respect you maybe maybe not i'm not an advocate for fixing your partner because that's that's the job between them and their therapist. Genuinely. That's not, that's not the job of a spouse or a partner to fix somebody. It's just not. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's, I don't have to deal with it because my partner respects what I do and your should too. There you go. <laughs> so, ugh. excuse me. Uh, so, do, 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 do. Uh, what were my romantic entanglements like and how did magic affect them at all? Oh boy. Oh God. That's a complicated question. Um, uh, I've had a really tumultuous love life up until present, like really, really, really difficult and strange and frankly upsetting and hard. Um, I had a girlfriend for a short time when I was 13. That was my first ever partner. Uh, and I don't think my family really knew about her. It was kind of a secret. Hi, family. Um, it wasn't Victoria. <laughs> it was somebody else. Uh, I don't think you really met her. Um, no magic was involved in that, though it was magical and it only lasted a short time. Uh, I miss her terribly, and that's all you need to know about that. I had my first boyfriend uh, when I was like 14, and I was a garbage person to him. Um, he came out to me as gay and because of my mental illness, this is a reason, not an excuse, by the way. Again, I doubt you're listening to this. You know who you are. Um, but I'm sorry. I have grown as a person and I hurt you a lot and I was super creepy and probably made your life worse. Uh, um, no, there was a boy I dated who came out to me as gay while we were dating and I, oof, young 14 to 16 year old me, 14, 16, 14, 15, young me had this idea that it wasn't true. And I desperately hope, cause I, I have borderline. If there's something you need to know about borderline, it is that there's a part of it that is called have his favorite person. And it's not like having like a boyfriend or a best friend. It is having someone you are fixated on and shape your personality around. And it is not, 
as far as I've experienced, a willing or intentional thing. And you essentially become wholly obsessed with this person and you need them to be around you. The other person is not obligated to do these things for you, by the way. But I was wholly undiagnosed. I had no idea what was wrong with me. And that was a thing I did. I was, I stalked this poor guy um, after we broke up and he was very generous and my friend for a long time but he did eventually move on from me, and that's a good thing. And I feel very badly for what I did to him. I tried to apologize ineffectively years later, and I hope he's doing well, because uh, I was a pretty shitty person in my teens. Genuinely huge garbage person. No magic involved there either. Um, I had two more boyfriends after that, that was a shit show. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> uh, and I met my current partner when I was 17, and he was 16, 15. Um, there's a two-year age difference between him and me, and we were long distance for a long time. Um, nope, magic involved. Nope. There was another high school boyfriend I forgot about, but we only dated for like four months, and he was kind of an asshole. Uh, yeah, he's not listening to this, nor is anyone who knows him. Knows him. Um, that was a is that a rebound? No idea when that was because I don't really remember him much as a person, but that happened. I think that was kind of an in-betweeny kind of thing. Anyway, that happened. Um, at any rate, uh, I love life was a fucking shit show in high school. It was bad. Um, but I met Eric online. Um, we were in a music group that I got into because of another ex-partner. Um, one of the two that I don't want to talk about because I was a terrible person. It was a bad time all around, just generally not a thing I want to talk about or remember or relive because I have changed fundamentally as a person um, in all aspects. But I met Eric online and we started talking, I think, in March, six years ago. Okay, it's been almost six years as of this coming March. Um, and I did not like that I was falling in love with him because... I don't think I, had, I, I think I hadn't really experienced really being in love with a person in a healthy way that wasn't obsessive uh, since I was about 13 or 14, something like that. Um, and it, it hurt. It was like actually, when I have crushes, like actual honest to God crushes, it's physically painful. It kind of feels like there's a large magnet in the middle of my chest and my entire chest cavity is made of metal and I'm just crumpling it on myself. And it's physically painful and very strange, but it's a thing that happens. Um, and we were best friends. Like we were, we spent all that summer and all that spring and most of the beginning of the autumn talking and bonding. And I confessed my affection to them three times. Here is how that happened because this is not a case of persistence. This is a case of being honest, and that's it. The first time I was at a friend's party, a friend I also had a crush on, she was a really cute girl, but I'm pretty sure she's straight and married now. There were like three of those. I, hey, female friends from high school, I probably had a crush on you for a while, and I know at least one of you listens to this. Yeah, no, I was into a lot of you guys. I just wasn't comfortable with the fact that I like women. Sorry, I am now, but you live far away, and I don't want to really go home to date anybody. You're all still really pretty, though. Haha. <laughs> Um, at any rate, um, I was at a friend's house and I was drunk or, and like, I think a little bit drugged by a shitty guy, um, which didn't work super well because I'm one large, two, recognize the taste of Ruthie, and three, 
I'm hard to poison. Don't know why. Um, but <laughs> the first time I ever told Eric that I loved him or was into him, I was out of my fucking mind. Um, and not coherent. And he was very nice about it. Like, I understand, I feel similarly, but you live far away. I don't know how I feel about you. And I was fine with it. I didn't take it as rejection. And we were still best friends. Uh, we call each other Moirels for a long time. And if you're a Homestuck fan, you will know why that's hilarious and embarrassing. Ha, we're nerds. Uh, and the next time, uh, it was more of a, hey, we've been flirting with each other. I want to know exactly how you feel I'm not, it was not an ultimatum. It was a, I would like to understand how you feel so that I can fairly assess how I feel and approach a relationship accordingly. And it was a similar thing where I like you, but you live far away. And then a few months later, um, we bonded a lot over this time. We talked constantly for hours every single day, um, like you would with a best friend hanging out at their house, except over the phone and in Texas and California, respectively. Um, I said that, uh, they were the person who I love the most in the world and I wanted to be around them in some capacity, no matter what. Um, and I wasn't going to talk about being in love with them again. Um, this was like my last kind of thing about that, but I really wholly loved them with all of my heart and I wanted to be their friend, girlfriend, whatever, anything didn't, didn't have to be romantic. As long as I could be in their life, I would be happy and thank you for letting me do that. And his response was, no, wait, <laughs> I like you too. Wait. <laughs> and it was very cute. Um, so the feelings were mutual the entire time. It was more a matter of how do the long distance kind of thing. It's also worth noting I'm not talking about a lot of people who I flirted with on the internet. I had like a string of like 15 or 16 just fucking random people I would hit on uh, well, I wasn't dating in between a lot of those times. Like I, I kind of used romance as a balm for my ills, which is not a thing I would ever recommend doing. I don't do that anymore. Um, I'm a polyamorous person and Eric is monogamous. Uh, and sometimes I go on Tinder just to like swipe on the cute girls and see which ones swipe right on me. And then I never talk to them again. Uh, cause I mean, it's nice to know which girls think you're pretty. <laughs> That's about as far as that goes a lot of the time just because I don't like people very much. Um, I could definitely see myself having another partner. I just have to really, really like them, like, a lot. Uh, and, yeah, uh, there was about two years after that, Eric and I had been dating for a long time. I think he moved in with me uh, during this time period. Um, but a little while after Eric and I got together, uh, there was a person who I was... I would not necessarily say in love with, but I exercise the full capacity of what favorite person can do to a person with borderline. Um, I was fully obsessed with them. It was unhealthy. I wasn't sleeping. I wouldn't go to school because I wasn't sleeping. I was staying up all night to talk to them. It was really unhealthy, um, which is too bad because they are a cool person and we're still kind of friends, but I definitely kind of destroyed myself a little bit over that. Um, I'm very lucky it didn't damage my and Eric's relationship because he is my most stable, like he's my, my permanent partner. I, I cannot see myself without him. Um, I don't mean that in a creepy, oh, I die without him kind of way. I mean that as a, I want to marry Eric. He knows this isn't a surprise. We're going to be 
hopefully together until we're dead. Fingers crossed, you know, like pending any like huge personality changes or like one of us doing something extremely terrible, which I don't think we're going to do. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's, that's my romantic entanglements up to the present day. Now, how did magic affect these? Funny enough, for the most part, it didn't. Um, there was one person in that whole line of people uh, who I did make to spell jars at slash about, but I'm not going to say which ones because that's personal and private, uh, and I don't advocate doing that, and I feel like saying which ones it was might give people ideas, so I'm not going to do that. Um, the most recent, like, thing I've done for a friend, uh, was a curse jar, which kind of functions as, uh, using, using love as a curse, essentially. It's a thing, uh, that I keep very well hidden, um, that essentially exists to, uh, cause friction in a relationship, uh, and drive a wedge between two people by making one of those people feel romantic affection for somebody else, but also effectively neutralizes anything they could do about it. It's essentially kind of causing pining for another party to break some people up. Uh, I'm kind of really proud of that. It's doing its job. <laughs> um, because they didn't want to do a violent curse, uh, but, eh, but they still wanted to, um, essentially break up a, uh, not great relationship. It's not an abusive one or anything. It's just a little bit toxic and upsetting. And I put in fail safes. Uh, so if the, one of the parties, the objectionable parties shapes the hell up, it won't do anything. But if it does, then I felt this was a fairly good way of, making sure if they break up, it won't be violent or upsetting. It'll just be kind of a, an upsetting split, but it's better than making them fight. I figured, um, yeah, it's the most recent like thing I'd say I've done. Except I've also done a couple sweetening jars, but that's neither here nor there. By the way, if you want to make someone like you without making it like rapey, I recommend sweetening jars because it's less, oh, fall in love with me. I own your soul more feel more positively towards me. <laughs> and you can find a lot of great recipes for sweet sweetening jars on the internet, and they're really easy to do. It's mostly just a jar, honey, person's name, seal, 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 candle, done. Um, it's not a love spell. It's more, I want this person to think well of me. Um, so it also works on like bosses and teachers. It's manipulative, but it's not rapey. There's a line. You have to walk between those things. Yeah, walk that damn line. <laughs> be, be very careful. Um, yeah, so that is, as far as I remember, all of my romantic entanglements up to the present day. Hurrah, that I'm comfortable talking about on air with people. All right, so let's try the last one, which is from a real-life friend of mine. Hi, Allie. Uh, I'm going to make fun of you a little bit because I love the hell out of you, but this is still kind of funny. Um, so the, the issue is, um, the question was, uh, what kind of magic can we use for um, the types of words in Greek for love apart from eros? And that's funny because I would argue most of the types of Greek love you can't use magic on um, because a lot of them aren't between people. Um I guess philia would be one you could, but it's dispassionate love. It's like fully non-sexual 
dispassionate love according to Plato, um, like especially like loyalty between friends. Uh, so I, I guess I would recommend a sweetening jar for that, maybe. Um, most of these I'm going to recommend a sweetening jar because a lot of these aren't their their affection, sure, but by our own cultural values don't quite fall under the same like umbrella of love exactly. Um, eros, as we all know, is intimate love. It's between literal lovers and physical attraction. Philia can also, also, back to Philia, it can also be used for, like, food or, like, stuff you like to do. It's pretty much just a non-sexual enjoyment. Um, next, uh, agape, which is, um, the love for man of God and of a man for it. Like, it's love between man and God, um, for the most part, or, like, like feelings kind of for a child or for a spouse. Um... And, like, in Christian texts, it's used to, like, denote how God feels about his children. But that's also a weird and difficult one. And if you're going to use it in the literal, like, ancient texts, I wouldn't try to enchant a god. I'll be honest, that seems like a great way to die. Um, this one, the uh, next one is storge, which is literally between uh, parents and children. Um, agape is used more often for this kind of love. Um, storge isn't used often, but storge is, of storge is often used... When it is used, it is used for parents and children. Um, I do have a spell for the next one, though, which is pragma, um, and that's love between two people during a long and healthy marriage. Um, I'm going to tell you a good spell for that from a book that I own called Of Witchcraft and Whimsy by Rose Auriculum. You should buy this. It's good. It's got a lot of good beginners and basic stuff. I believe it's available on Amazon, but if you Google it, I'm sure it'll come up. It's a good book. Very glad I uh, bought it. Um, so this is just your, hey, buy this. Um, I'd probably recommend for this the stay with me spell from that. Uh, what you're going to want to do is get a candle and carve it with both or all of the names of the people involved. I'm not going to exclude polyamorous people here. Um, and then tie a string to the candle and light the candle. Um, the recommended color is orange. Then you're going to chant, I tie this knot with a string long to keep our communication strong. By this candle's orange hue, I preserve the relation between us two. I know the phrasing is for two people, but I'm sure you could change it um, if you can rhyme worth a damn. And not all of us like to rhyme our spells. Um, then you're going to wait until the wax melts over the string, blow out the candle, and keep the string in your room. There you go. There's a good one for pragma to keep you two or three or four or seven together. Um, and the last one is Falautia, which is love for one's own self. For that, I would recommend either therapy or masturbation. <laughs> um, I'm not good at self-love stuff or spells. Again, I'm a borderline person. I don't really have a great sense of who I am. So genuinely, my recommendation for that is masturb masturbation or therapy and surrounding yourself with people you love because uh, I don't want to look through my 6,000 spell books to try and find that. Um, and my best, seriously, if you want a good all-purpose thing for I want this person to like me in a non-sexual way. Sweetening jars. Always and forever with the sweetening jars. <sighs> All right. Well, that went shockingly well. Um, I suppose I should review a thing, shouldn't I? Shit. Uh, I will review a romance novel because... Fucking Valentine's Day, my guys, my dudes, my comrades. I've had some wine. Uh, it's fucking Valentine's Day. Let's just talk about some cute shit. I read a good, cute, adorable gay book recently uh, that I loved to death. 
Uh, it's called Fearless by Shira Glassman, and it is the cutest stuff. Uh, definitely go buy it and read it. Also, her porn's real good, but let's stick with the non-sexual stuff, because we've been talking a lot about sexual assault, and I want to, like, give you stuff to read about that doesn't involve sex, but it's also gay. Uh, Fearless by Shira Glassman is the preciously heartwarming story of a newly out divorcee who parted with her husband on good terms because they're both gay, uh, meeting a beautiful and clever and talented uh, Jewish gay lady who is very butch um, because the first woman's daughter uh, is doing a musical competition and they all get snowed in a hotel together and it's so cute. Oh my God, read it. It's like fucking chicken soup for the soul kind of cutesy warm happy times uh so i would definitely recommend it also support queer authors shira glassman is a bi jewish violinist from florida please please support her she's living in florida the poor thing um and she's a really good writer the prose are gorgeous the scenarios are good the book's really short so it's it's just so nice. And if you're living somewhere with a hyper-nightmare Arctic winter, maybe you need something warm and adorable so you don't freeze to death horribly. Uh, I know this isn't a witchcraft book, but I also wholeheartedly support the creations of uh, LGBTQ plus creators um, and of wanting to read something cute and romantic. Uh, Shira Glassman also has the sexy piece called Wet Nails uh, about a girl watching TV, a woman, adult woman, watching TV and the ghost of an uh, old-school actress comes out of her television, paints her nails, and fucks her. Ha! It's really cute and good and sexy. Uh, and Shira Glassman is hands down one of my favorite authors that I have read this year. I know it's been a short year, but I think she's going to stay on that list, like, pending. Again, pending something horrible happening. Yeah. Uh, also, since we're here and I'm just giving you stuff to read, um, the graphic novel Speak... Uh, is a very difficult read, I think, because it is about teenage sexual assault, since we're on that topic. Uh, it is illustrated by one of my favorite uh, illustrators, Emily Carroll. Uh, that's C-A-R-R-O-L-L. -L. Uh, she does beautifully creepy drawings. Uh, the book is great. It is about a teenage girl who experiences a sexual assault and the, pen and the aftermath, the year afterwards, um, of what occurs and what her friends and family do and how the depression affects her until she is able to confront that and heals. And she does have to heal on her own. And I find this very relatable because a similar thing happened to me and it was terrible. Um, it was different, but it still happened. Uh, sexual assault on the internet is real, kids, and uh, child pornography hurts uh, children. I know because I was a victim of a child pornographer and it was bad. And I am scarred forever. Wee. Anyway, Speak's really good if you want something a little bit harder um, and non-romantic, but still very, very good. All right. Uh, and I think I would like to, let's see, where are we going to, ah, there's books, there's books everywhere. <laughs> uh, here we go. Um, I would like to close with a spell to get rid of unwanted romance. For those of you who need that, this is from another beautiful book that I promise I will review at some point called Grove Daughter Witchery by Brie Nagarin. That's N-I-C-G-A-R-R-A-N. Um, I believe she's written two books. The other one's called The Sisters Grimoire. Um, 
that she wrote with Anna Zollinger. I hope I'm saying that right. I, I believe it's Zollinger. Um, the Grove Daughter Witchery has some wonderful things. It's chock full of spells. Um, it's great, a great jumping off point if you want to alternate or change things. Um, this is a good thing, and this is basically what it is. Um, you will need paper and pen, tape, glue, one pistachio shell halved, uh, and lemon peel and vervain. Um, write on the piece of paper uh, your usual like line you use to shut people down, let's just be friends, I'm not interested, I'm gay, whichever. Um, or if the problem is more serious, try something like fuck off, leave me alone, go away, you suck. Any number of things. Um, use whatever works best. Uh, glue uh, a pinch or so of the listed herbs uh, into one half of the shell and give it a minute to dry. Um, also, what's nice, I'm not going to give away everything. I'm not going to read it verbatim. Um, this book is great because Brie gives uh, options for things to use if you don't have the listed spell ingredients a lot of the time. Like, she'll give options. So buy this book and find out more. Again, I'm not sponsored by any of these people. I just really like their books. Uh, then uh, you'll want to put the shell upside down uh, on top of the paper, kind of in the middling thing, and fold everything up around the thing, and then tape it all shut, and then carry the packet with you uh, whenever you think you're going to meet the person you fucking hate, <laughs> or anywhere you might meet, have uh, bad advances. Um, nothing is a guarantee, but it'll, it'll help. <laughs> And I hope it will help, at least psychologically, if not literally. All right, that's my Valentine's Day episode. I finally managed to break uh, 30 minutes, which I haven't been able to do in a hot while. Um, in summation, I've had a long and strange romantic history. Uh, don't try and rape people. Uh, sexual assault is a serious problem in the pagan community, and we need to support the victims of sexual assault whenever we can. Um, and make our spaces safe for these victims and unsafe for the perpetrators of these horrible crimes. Um, so if you read through Sarah and Lawless's things and see someone who you really admire who she has accused, don't attack Sarah first. Think about what you're doing and try and come to terms with the fact that you didn't notice and be a protective wall around the victim, not a protective wall around these horrible waste of space humans who think that they are entitled to other people's bodies. And this includes men, women, and others. Anyone can be a victim or a, per or a perpetrator of sexual assault. Be aware of that and look into it. Do not automatically assume that someone is lying if they have been assaulted. Look into it and make sure that the victims who were harmed have their voices heard as often as possible. Help them. And we need, we need to keep these people safe. These are important members of our community. And we do everything we can to make sure that they are okay and they are heard. Okay, uh, happy Valentine's Day. Don't be a piece of shit. Buy some of the books that I told you about or check them out at your local library if they're available. Um, and we'll see what happens next episode. If you have any questions about witchcraft or further about love or about like me as a person, I guess, uh, feel free to ask them. I won't guaranteed to an I won't guaranteed answer everything, but I will do my damn best. Um, We'll see what's in store for next episode, which I'll be releasing in March, hopefully. I'll see you around, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you to everyone for listening. The music at the beginning and ending of the podcast is here courtesy of www.purpleplanetmusic.com. Have a question, comment, or concern? Want to ask something for the podcast? Find something I got wrong? Shoot me an email at thehornwitch at gmail.com. Message me on Tumblr at thehornwitch.tumblr.com. Or follow me on Twitter at thesleepywitch. Like me enough to throw money at me? 
do so at www.patreon.com slash thehornedwitch. Thanks again for listening, y'all. Bye!